Well, in the grace, mercy, and peace of our loving Lord Jesus Christ, I want to welcome each and every one to our service of worship and celebration on a cold January morning, but it's good to be together. Uh, first, let me begin by saying welcome, a very special welcome to everyone who is here, but especially to those who might be visiting or who have been visiting in the recent weeks with us. We really want to just welcome you here with us and, know, and we want you to know that your visit's important to us. So there's a visitor, a welcome visitor's card in your pew in the rack in front of you. And if you'd fill that out and drop it off at the welcome center in the cafe after church, we would really appreciate that, just so that we have a record of your visit here. Baptismal classes will be held following the morning services next Sunday and the Sunday following, so January 28th and February 4th. And these classes are for anyone who is either interested in being baptized or just plain curious about baptism and its place in the Baptist tradition. If that's you, just plan to attend. Uh, you can talk to myself or Pastor Gary or anybody, any of the other leaders uh, for any other information that you might need to, to know. Also, uh, the church clerk has asked very specifically that I make an announcement. And since it's my wife, that's why I do it. <laughs> no, uh, the update for the 2024 directory is well underway, but we need everybody to uh, be aware of what's happening. If you are happy with the way that your name was entered and everything in the 2023 directory, then you don't have to do anything. You're the lucky one, okay? <laughs> Now, if you're unhappy with it or want to change something or add a different phone number or so on, there's a yellow slip, Cherub's holding it up there, uh, you could, that, that you need to pick up. There are some at the Welcome Center and I believe a few in the foyer as well. And pick up one of those if you need to change your email, change a phone number, just whatever that change might be. You want to change your address or you want to take some information out you have to sign off on one of those cards, okay? We need that slip. That's our permission to make the changes, so please do that. Also, uh, I, I understand it's been a very, very good response this morning to our warming center and one roof warm clothing drive. Uh, Wednesday, the Fosters came in and were telling us about an experience of, of the shelter reaching out to them through one of their relatives of a great need for warm clothing and bless them they went out and bought a whole pile of warm clothing from a thrift store to take over but shared it with us and we thought why can't we do that too we checked with them they needed lots of warm clothing youth sizes men's size, men's wear women's wear just anything like that and uh, bring it in and we've started collecting it we will be doing that today and next Sunday, okay? So the two Sundays, bring in anything that you might have. It's a great time to clean off a shelf or two in your closet as well. Discipleship Explored has now been launched and we're doing it through our small group uh, initiatives. And so if you want to find a group to be a part of, I posted them on the small group bulletin board right out in the foyer. You can check when the different groups are meeting and uh, you could just talk to the leader and, and I'm sure there'll be room for you in one of those groups. But uh, that's an exciting time of getting together and continuing on with uh, Christianity Explored through that one. 
Following the morning service, be sure to uh, join us in the SPBC Cafe. It's just straight across the foyer into the gym and we have coffee and treats ready and it's just a really good time to get together and to chat and chat and chat and chat. Have a good time talking to people you don't necessarily get a chance to talk to or meet somebody new, uh, but take that time and spend it together. It's an awesome time of fellowship together. Those are all our announcements. Uh, family really does matter here at, MBC, at SPBC. I'm not at NBC. Anyway, uh, we're going to turn it over to the worship team at this time. Good morning. If you wouldn't mind standing for worship, if you're able, and we'll get started. Worthy is the Lamb who was slain. 
the King who conquered the grave. Worthy is the Lamb who was slain. Worthy is the King who conquered the grave. Worthy is the Lamb who was slain. Worthy, worthy, worthy. This is amazing grace. This is unfailing love That you would take my place That you would bear my cross You lay down your life That I would be set free Oh, Jesus, I've seen for All that you've done for me Yeah. 
this time I'd like to dismiss the kids and also pray for the offering. Let us pray. God, we thank you for these children. Lord, we thank you so much that they're the future of the church. And Lord, we thank you for the volunteers who have volunteered to teach them and guide them and lead them in your spirit and your truth and the word. And Lord, I just pray that uh, you would bless them as they go now. And Lord, I bless uh, our offerings as well. Lord, we thank you that our offerings are a gift of worship. And we thank you that you will multiply uh, the gifts that we are about to give you. And we thank you for these things in Jesus' name. Amen.
And on that day when my strength is failing, the end draws near and my time has come. Still my soul will sing your praise unending Ten thousand years and then forevermore Bless the Lord, oh my soul Oh my soul Worship His holy name Sing like never before Oh my soul I Worship Your holy name Bless the Lord Bless the Lord, oh my soul Oh my soul Worship His holy name Sing like never before Oh my soul I Worship Your holy name I Worship Your holy name Lord, I worship Your Bless the Lord, O my soul. Sing like never before. O my soul, we'll worship your holy name. Indeed, loving Father, blessing and honor, majesty and glory, bended knees and humbled hearts all belong to you, the eternal creator of all things, the giver and sustainer of all life. You are the God in heaven so far above, and yet you're the same God of our lives who is so very near, ever present. Almighty creator, sovereign ruler, God over all, indeed our souls will sing forever like never before. Bless the Lord. Bless the Lord. Father, we look daily for your love, knowing that there is no one who loves us more than you do, no one who loves with such pure and holy love. For you are the very essence of love itself. You are our loving Heavenly Father. Not by anything we have done, nor by any right that we think we may possess, but simply by your grace, through your mercy, you have provided the way for us to be made right with you by means of the blood of Jesus Christ shed on Calvary's cross, all for the forgiveness of our sins. You make us your very own children. You give us the right to dare to come into your presence and come before you we must. For we are a people who have many and varied needs. And the truth is there isn't a person in this room or one joining us online who doesn't need you. We are all needy. Some of us need to know your healing touch. And so we pray for Doug and Ann, 
for Jacqueline, for Cameron, for Janice, for Matthew, Allison, Leo, and many others who are dealing with COVID or the flu or strep throat and, and other ailments right now. We pray that these are amongst those who, who will experience the healing touch of Jehovah Rapha, the God who heals, the God who restores health, the God who fills us with hope. We pray for those who not only need physical healing, but those who are struggling mentally, emotionally. We ask that you would touch their lives and their minds and especially their hearts, bringing healing and wholeness, even as you would lift the dark clouds of the darkness from those who are struggling with depression. Lord God, help them. Help them to rise above the darkness of their feelings. We pray for those who are struggling with grief and for loss. It's so hard, Lord, to love here on earth, knowing that one day, at least for a time, we will be separated from those who have given themselves, ourselves to us in love. And so we pray today for all who have experienced loss recently, and we find ourselves in a place of grief. We commit the Smirthwaite family to you as, as we all mourn Stan's passing. And yet what a glorious passing into the kingdom of God it was. We pray for Margaret and her family and for Erna and her family. Wipe tears, encourage good memories, fill the emptiness for only your love and grace can help us through these times. This morning we especially want to pray for our youth and for all of the CBOQ youth who've gathered up at Muskoka Woods for the avalanche retreat. Thank you for those of our youth who went and thank you for all who you are already doing in the hearts and in their lives. Our prayer is that even in these final moments before they wrap up early this afternoon and head home, that you would continue your work of salvation in their hearts, bringing them to that place of repentance causing them to believe in their hearts, giving them saving faith, fill them with your love, bless them in these closing moments of their weekend away, and we especially pray that you would keep them safe as they would travel home this afternoon. We would also pray for the world that we live in. As always, our prayer is that your will would be done here on earth just as it is in heaven. And so we pray for the war-torn nations around the world, for Israel and Hamas, for Ukraine and Russia, for the many nations in Africa and the Far East where civil wars and many conflicts are being fought even at this moment, and people are dying. We pay, pray for peace, the peace of Jesus, the peace that would reign amongst the, amidst the chaos, upheaval, sheer wickedness and atrocities of one human taking the life of another. Forgive us, O God. Bring peace, your peace. May the shalom of Jesus Christ be known in the midst of chaos and the sheer wickedness of taking lives be dealt with. Our hearts break as we pray for fellow brothers and sisters in Christ who have to live through such atrocities. And now, O oh Lord, in these next few moments, as we come and spend them around your word, lift the complacency of our own hearts, release us from our preconceived opinions, 
open the eyes of our hearts to your, your truth for us this day. Bless Pastor Gary and the word that you have given him to share with us. Open our hearts to receive it all in its fullness. Change us from the inside out, making us into the people you would have us to be, to live in this time and in this place. Thank you, O oh God, for who you are and for all that you have done and are doing. You are our loving Heavenly Father, and we praise your holy name, for we pray in Jesus' most strong and powerful name. Amen. Amen. My thanks uh, to Pastor Paul and to uh, the worship team uh, for leading us in that time of, of musical worship this morning. Uh, indeed, it is a privilege to join together here in the name that is above every name, the name of Jesus. And uh, as we were singing 10,000 Reasons there, I, I couldn't help but think of our brother Stan Smirthway, who is with the Lord right now. And, uh, and went to be with the Lord during our service last Sunday. Um, amazing. That's, that's where you want to worship. As great as this is, uh, that's far better. Um, so the service for Stan, if you have not heard, it will be here at Stanley Park Baptist Church tomorrow at 11 o'clock a.m. Uh, if you can join us, that will be uh, wonderful as we celebrate Stan's life, his faith, his ministry, his legacy as we pray for his family. Um, please continue to commit the family to prayer through this difficult time, but we do look forward to that time of worship tomorrow. <sighs> All right. It got cold on us this week. It, it was chilly out there. Um, and I just, I was also thinking of our kids up in Muskoka this morning and uh, add a wind chill factor in, and that's what they're feeling this morning. So please continue to pray for our students as they make their way back. We look forward to hearing what God has done at Avalanche this week. We've already heard some really good things. Um, kids coming to Christ, making decisions to follow Him, and uh, we look forward to all of those wonderful updates. Uh, but pray for safety as they return later today. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul, all that is within me. Bless your holy name. That song, of course, that we sang is based on Psalm 103, that, that great hymn of praise. And uh, I was thinking of those, those lyrics in that one verse, you're rich in love, you're slow to anger, your name is great, your heart is kind, for all your goodness I will keep on singing 10,000 reasons for my heart to find. Truth be told, there are far more than 10,000 reasons. Today, I want to look at a very important reason that when we understand and grasp its magnitude should prompt us to worship the holy name of Jesus and sing like never before. And that is this reason. Jesus was baptized. The baptism of Jesus. Hmm. That's a reason to praise? Yeah. It's amazing. Um. A couple weeks ago, you might recall, we recognized Epiphany Sunday. It's uh, an important day in the liturgical calendar, the Christian calendar year, 
recognizing the appearing or the manifestation of Jesus. And uh, not every Protestant evangelical church does much with Epiphany Sunday. But for the churches in the East, in the Eastern countries, they focus on the Lord's baptism, on the baptism of Jesus. In fact, they call it the Lord's Baptism Day, many of them. And they look at the passage that we're going to be looking at today, along with all the other passages that refer to or describe Jesus' baptism in Scripture. As you recall, hopefully you recall, two weeks ago, if you were awake with us, um, we went through that passage in Matthew, the visit of the Magi. Because in Western churches, that tends to be the focus of Epiphany Sunday, the revelation of God to the Gentiles. The Magi, as we saw, were the first worshipers of Jesus Christ in the New Testament. And they weren't from Israel. They were Gentiles from the East. And so they really come to represent the rest of the world. And this invitation that God gives to people from every nation under heaven to be made right with him, to be forgiven their sins through faith in his son, Jesus Christ. And that's how Matthew begins his gospel with that story, the Magi, and it's how he ends his gospel with Jesus' great commission in Matthew 28. just want to show that to you. Jesus, before this, verse 18, he said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, that's what the therefore is, therefore, Jesus' ultimate authority. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, everywhere on earth, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you, and surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. Make disciples of all nations. Okay. How does that happen? I just read it. What's the very first instruction, the very first step in disciple-making according to the Great Commission? Baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And then teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. Baptizing them. I think I've mentioned this before, but we've kind of flipped this on its head in our modern church, the way we do discipleship. We, we want to teach when someone repents of their sins and, and surrenders in faith to Jesus, we want to teach them everything there is to know about him. And, and so we do. We do that. And, and then when we're sure that they're sincere in their faith, when we're sure they understand the commitment that they've made, then we encourage them to be baptized after the appropriate courses or classes, of course. And that's not what we see in the New Testament. Baptism happens when a person repents and believes in Jesus Christ. That's what Peter said, right? Day of Pentecost, repent and be baptized for the forgiveness of sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Okay, um, so that's enough about my beef about that. Baptism classes are important, and actually part of the reason why I'm preaching this today is because we are going to be having baptism classes for the next couple weeks, uh, starting next Sunday following the service. 
But um, why do I stress baptism? Well, we're in a Baptist church. We're Baptists. Baptism is really important because it's not only what Jesus said in Matthew 28, it's what Jesus did himself. And here's the thing about being a follower of Jesus. Whatever Jesus said and commanded us to do, we're supposed to do. And whatever Jesus did, that's the example we're to follow. That's how John puts it, in 1 John chapter 2. He said, we know that we have come to know him, to know Christ, if we keep his commands, if we obey, if we do what he says. And then verse 6, whoever claims to live in him must live, must walk, as Jesus did, must do what Jesus did. And my friends, as followers of Jesus, that's what we have to do. Baptism was the last thing Jesus said at the end of Matthew, and it's the first thing that Jesus does at the beginning of Mark, where I would invite you, if you have your Bibles, to turn with me today. Mark, I believe it's on page 1551 in most of the Pew Bibles. 1551, the Gospel of Mark, second Gospel in, in our Bibles here. Mark, it's uh, the shortest of the Gospels, the most fast paced, the, the, this narrative style, Mark just tells the story of Jesus, focusing less upon Jesus' teaching and more upon what Jesus did. He's writing to Gentile believers, and uh, in case you don't know who Mark was, Mark was also known as John Mark, according to the book of Acts, and he was a close companion of Peter, and he was Barnabas' cousin. And uh, Mark, it's, it's fascinating how he begins this gospel because he doesn't start it the way we, we read in the other gospels. He doesn't start with Jesus' ancestry or genealogy. There's no mention of Mary or Joseph or the shepherds or the angels or even the later appearance of the Magi that we talked about a couple weeks ago. Writing to Gentile believers, Mark focuses on Jesus' public ministry. In fact, that's where he starts his story about Jesus. With Jesus' public ministry beginning with his baptism. It's been called Jesus' inauguration, his coronation, his commissioning, his grand introduction into public ministry. And it is certainly grand because through it, through Jesus' baptism, God reveals to the world who Jesus is, why Jesus came, what Jesus had to do in order to accomplish the reason he came, namely to save us, and what followers of Jesus must do in response. So, we're going to read this passage together, if we can, and I'm going to invite you, if you are able, to please stand with me as we read God's word together today. Beginning at verse 1, we're going to read through to the end of verse 11. So, let's do this as in unison as we can manage here, okay? Mark chapter 1, beginning of verse 1. The beginning of the gospel about Jesus Christ, the Son of God. It is written in Isaiah the prophet, I will send my messenger ahead of you who will prepare your way. A voice of one calling in the desert, prepare the way for the Lord, make straight paths for him. And so John came, baptizing in the desert region, 
and preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. The whole Judean countryside and all the people of Jerusalem went out to him. Confessing their sins, they were baptized by him in the Jordan River. John wore clothing made of camel hair with a leather belt around his waist, and he ate locusts and wild honey. And this was his message. After me will come one more powerful than I, the thongs of whose sandals I am not worthy to stoop down and untie. I baptize you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. At that time, Jesus came from Nazareth in Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. As Jesus was coming up out of the water, he saw heaven being torn open and the Spirit descending on him like a dove. And a voice came from heaven, you are my son whom I love. With you, I am well pleased. Thank you. You may be seated. Uh, may the Lord add his blessing to the unison reading of his word today. Heavenly Father, God, as we consider this passage today, the importance and example of, of Jesus' baptism, Lord, would you open up the eyes of our hearts to your truth? Guide us and enlighten us by your spirit. Increase not only our understanding and appreciation of this amazing event, but Lord, deepen our love for and our obedience to you as Jesus' disciples, that we may serve and honor your Son and our Savior like never before, that we might worship your holy name. For the sake of your kingdom and glory, God, I pray in Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so here we have Jesus' first public appearance, uh, the beginning, like I said, of, of his ministry. And um, this takes place likely in the summer of, of AD 26, roughly six months into John's ministry, John the Baptist, when Jesus was about 30 years old, according to Luke 3.23. Now, John the Baptist is a relative of Jesus. I think most of us probably know that fact. He was a cousin. Now, we don't really know how well John and Jesus knew each other. In fact, this is the only account in the New Testament of Jesus and John actually meeting together face to face. But Jesus didn't come all the way to John, and he probably made a bit of a journey to get there along the Jordan River where he was baptizing. He didn't come just to hang out with his cousin or get to know him better. He came with a very specific purpose. He came to be baptized by John. Now, if we hear that and think, okay, so, <laughs> it's no big deal, we've missed the magnitude because there was nothing normal about what John was doing. This was shocking and strange. First of all, John the Baptist himself was pretty <laughs> shocking and strange. Not just because he lived in the wilderness and wore clothes made of camel hair, leather belt, and, and ate locusts and honey. Actually, eating locusts and honey for people who dwelt in the desert, that was a very normal thing. Still is, in some places. No, it was what John said and did that was so strange and shocking. And specifically what we read in verse 4, and I just want to highlight that for you. 
John came baptizing in the desert region and preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. Why did he do that? Well, simple answer, the short answer is because God called and commanded him to do that. John, of course, was the forerunner or the announcer, the witness that God had chosen to point to Jesus, to prepare the way. And that's what we read here. John was the prophet Isaiah foretold in Isaiah 40, verse 3, which Mark quotes here, who would call God's people to do what? In bold there, to prepare the way for the Lord. How? By calling them to repent of their sin. That means repent means turn away from their sin, have a total change of mind, change of direction, and be baptized which is why John is called the baptizer or John the Baptist, namesake for our denomination. Because what he was doing was strange. It was weird. Baptism. See, we hear that word and maybe we have certain ideas about what that means. Some people think of different denominations and traditions. Babies are are baptized. How? By being sprinkled in certain traditions, Lutheran, Anglican, Catholic. Uh, There's pouring. Some people, it's called a fusion. Some people are baptized by the pouring of water over the head. The word baptism in the Bible does not mean either of those things. It doesn't mean sprinkling. It doesn't mean pouring. It doesn't mean spraying. It doesn't mean dripping. It means dipping, being submersed, being immersed That's what the Greek word baptizo means. This was an immersion. John was literally taking people out into the Jordan River and and dunking them under. And this wasn't a thing people did. He was dunking them under the water for the forgiveness of sins. Um, among the rituals and ceremonies of Judaism, there were no dunkings. <laughs> there was no regular immersions. There was cleansings. There was a preparatory washing for priests, someone joining the priesthood. There was uh, ceremonial cleansing for Gentiles if they were converting to Judaism. But there was no ceremonial dunkings or immersions into water like this for the forgiveness of sins. And so... Here's the magnitude of it. For a Jewish person, a member of God's covenant people, to participate in a ceremony like this, going out into the Jordan River and being dunked under the water for the forgiveness of their sin, this was a shocking admission that even they still needed to come to God, that even they, God's chosen people, needed to repent and be forgiven of their sin. But this mode, the the dunking, the submersing mode of baptism wasn't the only strange part. The the really, really strange and most shocking part is the fact that Jesus is baptized here. This was a huge problem for the early church. In fact, it can still be a point of, of confusion and contention today. Why? Well, because as verse 4 says, John was preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. Why is that a problem? Jesus is God's son. That's the very thing Mark said. This is the gospel of Jesus Christ, the son of God. Co-equal, one with God. Sharing the same essence, the same nature. He's holy, he's perfect, He is righteous. John understood that. 
So you can see why this is a problem. Why would Jesus, the Messiah, the Son of God himself, need to be baptized by a Jewish prophet for the forgiveness of sins? Why? Did Jesus need salvation? No. Did did he have sin that he needed to repent of, even just a little bit? Absolutely not. Which is why even after the early writing of the New Testament, there were Christians who continued to be embarrassed about this story, troubled by Jesus' baptism. And it was especially hard for John the Baptist to understand. In fact, it was a really big issue for him as well, which we clearly see not so much in Mark's gospel, but in Matthew's parallel account of Jesus' baptism. And I just want to show you a couple verses there because it kind of fills in the picture. Here's what it says. Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to be baptized by John, but John tried to deter him. And that really doesn't do it justice, this translation. That, that word t- deter means to strongly, repeatedly stop Jesus from doing this. Why? Because John knew who Jesus was. This, this seemed crazy and wrong that Jesus, of all people, should be baptized. It made no sense to John. Because as we saw there in Mark 1.8, John said he wasn't even worthy to stoop down and untie Jesus' sandals, which was, by the way, the most menial task a slave could perform. And John's saying, I'm not even worthy to do that for Jesus, let alone baptize him. In John's mind, this is all backwards, which is why he says, I, Jesus, I need to be baptized by you, and you're coming to me to be baptized? In essence, John's saying, I can't baptize you because this is a baptism for sinners. I'm a sinner. You're not. You're sinless, and I'm sinful. My friends, Jesus was and is and always will be sinless. Can I get an amen to that? Jesus is sinless. So then why did he insist on being baptized with a baptism for sinners? Well, Jesus explains it right here in Matthew 3.15. Jesus said this, Let it be so now. It is proper for us to do this to fulfill all righteousness. To fulfill all righteousness. That's the key right there. What does that mean? (laughs) That's the question. Well, it meant, for starters, doing absolutely everything that God required of Jesus. Did God require that Jesus be baptized by his cousin John? Yes, he did. Even though Jesus was without sin which makes Jesus' baptism one of the most amazing examples of Jesus' absolute obedience to the will of God the Father. You see, fulfilling all righteousness means that if baptism is a right, righteous thing that God requires, Jesus was going to do it. And he did. So here's the question. What about the repentance part, the repentance from sin? You see, there's another side to fulfilling all righteousness. Righteousness, the definition really means a right relationship or right standing with God. Which being one with God and the Son of God, Jesus alone had that. 
He was sinless. That's what gives him, that's what gave him and gives him the right standing. We don't have that, do we? Because we are not sinless. We are sinful. All people have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, Romans 3.23. And here's the, the worst news. The wage or the payment that I owe for my sin and that you owe for yours and that every person owes for theirs is death. Eternal separation from God. Suffering in hell. But, Romans 6.23 says, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. There's the amazing news. See, Jesus came into the world to save sinners, 1 Timothy 1.15. But in order to save and redeem us, he had to relate to us, which is why he took on flesh and became human and dwelt among us like we talked about in our Advent series in John. Love the way the writer of Hebrews puts it. We do not have a high priest, and that's what he is, by the way. He was the perfect sacrifice and our great high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet was without sin. Jesus understood what it was to be human. So when Jesus said, let it be so now, he was identifying, identifying himself with sinners, He was essentially saying to John, the reason I have to be baptized as a sinner is not because I am a sinner, but because you are, because they are, because all people have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. I'm being baptized, not in order to become righteous, but because I alone am righteous. That's the essence of what Jesus was saying, and and must do this to fulfill all righteousness on your behalf so that through faith in me, you can be counted as righteous too. See, my friends, Jesus knew what lie ahead of him. This was the beginning of his ministry. It ended there. Everything that we read here in Jesus' baptism, it all pointed to the cross. See, Jesus understood that he would be bearing the sin of humanity in three years in order to impart his righteousness to every single person who would repent of their sin and believe in him for forgiveness. Uh, Love this verse. Paul writes to the Corinthians and 2 Corinthians. Oh, wrong verse. Here it is. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. That's one of the 10,000 reasons to praise the Lord today. So that in him, in Christ, we, you and me, unrighteous sinners, we might become the righteousness of God. We could be counted as righteous because of Jesus. Praise God. Bless the Lord, O my soul. Our sin was put on Jesus so that Jesus' righteousness could be put on us. And my friends, his baptism foreshadows how he was going to do that. Jesus, the sinless son of God, underwent a baptism for sinners, not only to sympathize with sinners, which is true, but also to symbolize how he was going to save sinners. 
And so, my friends, Jesus' baptism is an incredible picture, a preview of his sacrificial death and his resurrection from the dead, isn't it? His immersion under the water was a symbol of how he would willingly, obediently lay down his perfect life, shed his righteous blood, suffer, and be nailed to a cross to die in order to make atonement for our sin on the tree. And then he was buried. That's also symbolized, right? He was, he, he was dead and buried under the water in baptism. And his coming up out of the water was a symbol of how Jesus Christ would rise victorious from the dead three days later, defeating death and promising eternal life to all who would repent and believe in him. So I just want to break it down so that hopefully we're really clear about this. Jesus' baptism didn't save us. Instead, it showed us how he was going to save us. Similarly, as followers of Jesus, our baptism doesn't save us, but it shows that we have been saved, that we have repented of our sin and surrendered our lives to Jesus Christ. It's, it's confirmation of that. And then just as Jesus testifies to the Father and the Spirit, so we have this amazing picture back in Mark here of the, the Spirit and the Father testifying to Jesus the Son. And that's what happens in a profound way here, both visibly by the Holy Spirit descending and audibly people could hear the voice of God the Father. This is what we read, Mark, back to, to Mark 1 verse 10. So Jesus has been dunked, he's been immersed, that's what baptism means, and now as he's coming up out of the water, getting out, exiting the Jordan says he saw heaven being torn open. Okay. He didn't see heavens, the heavens gently parting. He didn't see clouds sort of just easing a space. Mark uses this dramatic verb that literally means to, to tear, to rip. The only other time this verb is used in the New Testament is to describe the curtain in the temple being torn in two from top to bottom the moment Jesus dies. Heaven is opened. <laughs> and so you think with, with that kind of tearing, with that kind of drama, this, this tearing open of the sky, something dramatic is about to take place. Something crazy is about to happen. But it's not violent what happens next. It's, it's, it's not radical on one hand, not in a dramatic way, but look what happens. Here's what happens. Heaven was torn open and the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, descended on him like a dove. Wow. The Spirit descends and lands on Jesus like a dove. By the way, Mark's not saying the Holy Spirit is a dove, right? He landed like a dove. Which, by the way, a dove was the most common sin offering for the poor. To the Jews, a dove was the lowliest symbol of sacrifice. It's what you'd bring to make atonement. So how fitting that as the Holy Spirit descends like a dove, Jesus is anointed to be the sacrifice for our sin. You recall in our series in Acts, Peter is explaining something similar to Cornelius the Gentile, he says this, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit 
and with power, and how Jesus went around doing good and healing all who were under the power of the devil because God was with him. God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. But my friends, this is actually the fulfillment of Isaiah's messianic prophecy in Isaiah 42. And this is what we read there. Here is my servant whom I uphold, my chosen one in whom I delight. I will put my spirit on him and he will bring justice to the nations. So what we have here is God the Holy Spirit anointing Jesus and then God the Father appointing Jesus in verse 11. By the way, this is probably one of the most remarkable Trinitarian passages in all of Scripture. We've got God in three persons on full display here. And he says this, it says in verse 11, a voice came from heaven. You are my son whom I love. With you I am well pleased. That title, Son of God, that's how Mark began his gospel. Verse 1, right? This is the gospel of the Son of God, Jesus Christ. It is the ultimate testimony to the sinless perfection of Jesus. Again, this is a verbal declaration from God the Father that not only is Jesus God, one with him in essence, but that he is beloved of God. You are my son whom I love. If you have a New King James Version, it probably says my beloved son, loved like no one else. And then with you, I am well pleased. This is what the prophet was talking about in Isaiah 42. In my servant, I delight. And that's what God the Father acknowledges. You are my son whom I love. With you, I am well pleased. I delight in you. So this is the clear, audible voice of God the Father affirming who Jesus is. In relationship, his son. In affection, his beloved. The one so loved by God. And in satisfaction with Jesus, God is well pleased, delighted in him. And so how do we apply all this? What does this all mean? I'm going to make it hopefully simple. The Holy Spirit can do that. If you are a follower of Jesus Christ... Each of the elements depicted in Jesus' baptism apply to you through faith in Jesus. Let me just run this down. Quick review of what we've just seen here. First of all, Jesus was immersed in the water of baptism. And so are we cleansed from our sin by being immersed into Jesus Christ, washed into his blood, by his blood. Heaven, we saw, was opened, torn open for Jesus Jesus has opened heaven for us, offering us perfect communion with God the Father through faith in him. The Holy Spirit descended, anointing Jesus. And my friends, Jesus promised and sent the Holy Spirit to indwell every one of his followers, those who repent of their sins and believe in him. And then the voice of God the Father speaks, confirming his pleasure in his beloved son Jesus. And through faith in Christ, We hear the voice of God the Father calling us, what? His children, sons and daughters of God. God who is pleased with us on account of Jesus, not because of us, but because of his righteousness. Wow, that's cool. In perfect submission to the will of his Father, Jesus was baptized with a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sin in order to fulfill all righteousness. 
in baptism, Jesus sympathized with us and symbolized for us how he was going to save us, pointing to the cross that lay ahead of him where he would lay down his perfect life in our place and become sin for us, pay the penalty for our sin in full, that by believing in him, we might be forgiven and made right with God the Father. God who audibly affirms and appoints Jesus, his one son, his only son, and be indwelt by the Holy Spirit who visibly anoints Jesus for ministry in this amazing passage. But my friends, in being baptized, Jesus not only sympathizes with us and symbolizes to us how to be saved, he also exemplifies for us what we must do to receive the gift of salvation and what obedience to him looks like in following him. We must repent of our sins and turn in faith to Jesus Christ and then be baptized just as Jesus was, just as he commanded and commissioned his followers to be. So here's the really simple question. Are you a follower of Jesus? If you are, have you been baptized? If not, why not? Now I know, and I want to be sensitive. There's a lot of different traditions, a lot of different ideas and practices when it comes to baptism. But what Scripture makes very clear is that baptism is that outward expression, that, that public declaration of what God has done, of, of our faith in Him and our commitment to Him. I remember being baptized here many years ago by this wonderful man right here, Reverend Neville Cowan. And I don't think we took pictures back then, <laughs> um, but I wish I had one because I remember it in my head very well. I was only in about grade seven, but I remember understanding that this is what I have to do if I am a follower of Jesus. This is how I show my commitment, my love for him for the rest of my life. And that way it's, it's not unlike a wedding ceremony, <laughs> is it? Um, as I reflect on that, I, I also think of other baptisms that we've seen and witnessed people declaring their love and commitment to Christ through the waters of baptism by obeying what Jesus commanded and what Jesus modeled for us. Think of Emily just a couple years ago, not even. Think of our sons, Jonathan and Theodore. That was a, a highlight for Jennifer and I, having our sons make that declaration for themselves and be baptized. Um, what am I trying to say here, we would love to baptize you if you've not been baptized and you are a follower of Jesus Christ. Because believer's baptism is the most significant and transforming event in the life of every Christian. First and foremost, it's an act of obedience to Jesus, confirming and declaring our faith in and union with him forever. Number two, it's an initiation into the body of Christ, his church. And like Jesus, it's the time of our commissioning as well. And so following the service, I mentioned this earlier, but for the next two weeks, we're going to offer baptism classes for anyone who's interested, even if it's just to, to learn more and to have a better understanding of what the Bible teaches about baptism. 
And uh, we would love to have you join us. So next Sunday, which is the 28th, I believe, of January and February 4th, uh, right through that door right there, uh, we're going to meet and, and have baptism classes for anyone who's interested. And hopefully, if you have questions, we'll be able to answer them. But ultimately, we pray that the Lord would lead you in obeying his command. Let me pray now. Our gracious God, thank you so much for your word to us today. Lord, thank you for Jesus, for this amazing event that we read of here in Mark, Father and Matthew as well, the fact that Jesus was baptized in order to fulfill all righteousness. Father God, we thank you for his perfect obedience. We thank you for what his baptism teaches us, for, for what it symbolizes for, for the way Jesus obeyed you perfectly. And Lord, that's what I pray for us. Lord, that, that we would be sensitive to your leading, that we would be quick to obey your word and do what it says. That we would walk as Jesus did, obey what Jesus commanded and, and do what Jesus did. So Lord God, I pray today, I pray for those who have not taken that step, that, that you would minister to their hearts and, and lead them, lead them in how you would have them respond to your message today. And Lord, for those who do not know Jesus Christ as Lord, who have never surrendered their lives in faith to you for the forgiveness of their sins, I pray, God, that they would hear the good news and believe in you, surrender their lives to you, and be saved. It's in Jesus' name I pray, amen. Please stand for our last song, if you're able. in my heart I 
Amen. I would invite uh, everyone to join us for a time of fellowship in the gymnasium following our service. Uh, Grab a coffee and have a chat, 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 like uh, Pastor Paul was saying. We always look forward to that time of fellowship. Uh, And now receive the Lord's blessing. Going to read this. This is from 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. May our Lord Jesus Christ himself and God our Father, who has loved us and by his grace gave us eternal encouragement and good hope, May he encourage your hearts and strengthen you in every good deed and word. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen.